0: It's Derek Craven Day. The best day. <laughs> no. And I feel so excited because like we're about to make a big announcement and it feels appropriate. It does. That so we make it on Derek Craven Day. I know. Look at us. It's like we planned it. We didn't, everybody. This is purely totally did just not when everything goes right. Let's say we did. Let's we say, say we did. For sure. Fade in Mates Live is happening. Yes. Faded Fade of Mates Live 2024. Yeah, maybe we should do Roman numerals. Yeah, like Fade Mates Live. Like boom, boom. I I I. <laughs> It's not very sexy. Forget it, everybody. We're going to wait till we get up to better. We're workshopping. When it's like XXX, then we're going to do it. FML. Yes, FML3 to the third power cubed. Any of those things, if you're mathy. March 23rd at the William Vale Hotel in Brooklyn. A Saturday night at one of the fanciest joints in Brooklyn. I legitimately expected them to be like, I'm not sure you're cool enough. (laughs) But I love it. How excited are you? Okay, listen, everybody, at the very beginning of season two of Reacher on the TV show. We did not know. I know. Reacher We were there first, Jen. We were there first. Reacher and Nagley went second. And they were in like in the hotel and I could tell like what the rooms look like. And you know, Reacher's like, we're at the Vale Hotel. And I was like, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Who did it better? Jen and Sarah. We definitely did. The other thing is, there was this really funny article, we'll put it in the show notes, about last year's in Brooklyn Magazine. And at the end, they, they talked to the doorman, who were like, it was a little spicy. <laughs> That's probably not what they would say about <laughs> We brought a whole vibe to the William Vale, <laughs> which did. is extremely fancy. But we think that you all deserve nice things. Yes. We believe that romance novels deserves a fancy treatment, so... Uh, this is what we're doing. Saturday, March 23rd at 7 p.m. Doors open at 6.30. Tickets are available right now at fadedmates.net slash live. It'll take you to an Eventbrite where you can see everything you need to see. Um, and we expect these tickets will go quickly. Yeah. So grab your friends. Make a weekend in New York. Or if you're local – Plan for a fun night out. There's like a great taco truck around the corner. We discovered. We did last discover time. there was also a great meetup. Apparently, that we were not invited to. We were invited to it, Sarah. We just were like, yeah. Well, we were like, you know, closing oh, up so the room stuff. and I stuff. Know. Everybody, we I love was, you. I was carrying speakers like from one. <laughs> There's a of lot the going on. To another. Here's the great part. Everybody, though, wait. You can watch Jen and me like lug stuff around. Oh no, we haven't talked about the bookseller. Everyone is <gasps> going to be the ripped bodice. Because now they're in Brooklyn, too. Now they cool in Brooklyn now. Yes. So they will be out selling books. We will be inside. There's going to be bars. It's going to be a good yes, time. We got, we're going to have a bar or two, possibly, in the room for everyone. So you don't have to miss anything, but you can still, you know, have a fun time and imbibe if that's your thing. And we have our lineup set, but we're not announcing it yet uh, because we're trying to – we're like – Doing a little planning behind the scenes. uh, Right. So it's all seamless when we're ready to go. Everything will be announced very soon. um, But we – you can trust us. Yeah. We have three great authors lined up. Oh, my God. It's going to be so fun. One other thing I'm going to tell you, everybody, is when you go to the Eventbrite, there is also a link. There's a small block of rooms available. But it's a small block. I think there's like 15 rooms. And – Um, you have to book through that if you're using it through by like February 21st, I think like there's a a cutoff. So if you are interested in staying at the William Vale, they have a special, so you can check it out. And then if not, it's in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and there's tons of really cool places next spot, you know, nearby. So it'll be really fun. We'll be putting to, we said we were going to do this last year, but we're definitely this year going to put together a list of like cool places to go around the city. If, if you're not local, Um, romance-friendly places will tell you exactly where to find the Moonstruck House. Yes, perfect. Make it a weekend. (laughs) All right, everybody. So, without further ado, our Derek Craven Day episode, which is a real banger.
1: This is kind of a silly full-circle moment because uh, I read Devil in Winter by Lisa Kleypas about... Was 2019 and I freaked out like I had a genuine same I was like I've never read literature before this is no one of us this is baby's first book like it was one of those oh my gosh do you guys ever watch Jimmy Neutron um when he has that like Adam moment yes and it's Uh like <laughs> Ideas are flowing, brains exploding. <laughs> I literally go into Spotify and I type in <laughs> Lisa Clevis, Devil in Winter, because I was like, I need to talk to someone about this. <laughs> first, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure one of the first Derek Craven Day episodes came up. It was like my introduction to the fact that other people in the world were talking about romance, much less historical romance, much less, oh. <laughs> less Clevis. It was transformative. I hadn't read Dreaming of You at that point, um, but I was like, I had like, truly an unreal out-of-body experience. Um, So it it really felt like I was tripping while listening to the episode because (laughs) I was like, this is doing so much for me right now. (laughs) And And here I am now. (laughs) I love it. Five years later.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We won't talk about what
1: happened in the ensuing years, but like five years later, here we are. We're (laughs) all okay. We're still talking about Lisa Clayface. Exactly. (laughs) Never stop. It really was like the beginning of so much for me mentally like just like new regions of my brain were being discovered is what I'm trying to say.
0: That's the voice of Sanj who many of you know as Baskin. sons. Welcome to Faded Mates. We're so excited to have you. I'm so excited to be here. Happy Derek Craven Day. <laughs> <laughs> to all who celebrate which is pretty much all of you listening right now. <laughs> um, Let me tell like my little part of the story about how we met which is, I went back and looked, right? It was 2021, you know, deep in the heart of the pandemic when we were all just thinking all the time, all the neurons firing, but where would they go? And you reached out to me via DM, right? And you were like, hey, I've been putting together this really cool thing, which is the Claypus Hero Continuum. (laughs) (laughs) And you were like, uh, I think, applying to graduate schools or PhD programs at that time. So you're like, it's a, like a, programs. Yeah. a little impolitic maybe for this to be my public face right now. Do you mind? And I was like, yes, I would love to be the face of this right now. <laughs> so I was just like, you know, a, a, f- a listener, right? A follower, like, asked me to share this. I hope I tried really hard to like make it clear it was not mine. And it garnered so many fun conversations. And that I think was when, yeah, you have those moments where you're just like, oh, romance is unmatched. The best. The best. Well, I came upon you, Sanj, through. I think somebody sent me some of your TikToks because I feel like you're a legendary. Like now you're, it's like romance TikTok. It's like you're one of the
1: the (laughs) grandmother series. My gosh. What we say, the (laughs) doyens of
0: TikTok, (laughs) of romance TikTok.
1: People can't see me but um I am blushing. You can't tell blushing. No, my face doesn't do that but I am. I am. <laughs> I feel
0: Somebody it. I believe it was my editor at the time she was like, this person like we we're sharing this, this was shared around the office today and I don't even remember what it was about oh. but she was like, "She's smart, you should know her." And I was like, "She is smart. I should know her." Um oh my and my then gosh. you're in New York and so we have sort of passed like ships at events. But it's really yeah. nice to have some time to talk
1: to you. I'm so thrilled. I It's so funny because, like, I, I feel so fraudulent sometimes in these spaces because, like, I haven't taken an English class since I was 18. And so now it's been like so long but I think sometimes people are like you have like a literary perspective and I'm like no I'm actually a psychologist in training like different discipline like I'm making it up as I go it's really about feelings (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a good point that's a good point I do I mean at this point like my interests are converging to the point that I like can't pretend that they aren't just like one big academic soup but it is it is really lovely I feel like I'm in a really lovely corner of the internet you know, I feel very like lucky in that way where like it, there's this like lovely reciprocity of like people being nice to me and me feeling nice to them and like, you know, making friends. I have this like, I guess, like optimistic little bubble of romance uh, community online that I'm I'm really like protective of, I guess.
0: So can we talk a little bit about one? I mean, this is the question we ask everybody when they come on the podcast. But can we talk about how you came to romance? Where Have you always been a romance reader? Did you find it because of school? Like. What's the deal?
1: So... 2019, I was finishing up my undergrad and I was like done with all of my real credits. I was taking a bunch of sort of unserious classes to finish out credits. And I was like, I haven't really picked up a book in a really long time. So I tried to do like a 52 books in 52 weeks challenge to like restore my love of reading. And I like read the 52 books in 52 weeks secretly. On the flip side, I was also reading hundreds of romance novels. (laughs) Like I'd started with um, Jen DeLuca's Well Met because it came in a book of the month box. Um, and then I also read somehow, I, I actually don't even have a recollection of how this happened, The Madness of Lord Ian Mackenzie. Um, mm. and a I was like, great historical romance book. is real. <laughs> <laughs> it rocked me. It rocked me. Of oh, course. That like, book I is terrific. Just, like, speaking of neural pathways being developed, it was immediate. So that summer, before I started my job after I graduated, I read enough to like fully enter a new plane of existence for myself <laughs> where like <laughs> I I didn't count what I was reading. I like couldn't tell you the specific names of most of the books. I worked my way through, I think, all of Elizabeth Hoyt's backlist, all of uh Jennifer Ashley's, uh, all of I mean just so many authors, all of the Claypus backlists, like yeah, I just I went through all of them in one go. But I was still in a very like sort of insular space where I was like, nobody else in the whole world has read these books, obviously. No. Right. I'm the new I'm the first and only <laughs> romance reader at this yeah. point because it was like sort of pre my internet involvement, I think. That feels
0: really purposeful to me. Like it is it was isolating when I was young. Right. Because it was shameful and you had to hide it. And so I think a lot of us, even if we didn't have the Internet, had that experience of feeling like no one else ever reads these. And if you came across someone who did, it was like kind of like a a testing. Like, do you really mean it or do you mean that every once in a while you've read a book by Danielle Steele?
1: Yes. Even now, sometimes when I say this, they're like, so The Notebook by Nicholas Sparks? And I'm like, don't say that name to me ever again. Go away from me. You were finding so many great authors, one after
0: another after another. And I mean, when you find, when you go deep into the Kleypas backlist or the Elizabeth Hoyt backlist or whoever you were reading, one right after another, you don't have time to make friends on the internet. (laughs) You are too busy reading books, falling for these I had
1: no time. Dudes. (laughs) Yeah, I was very busy being a menace to all of my like in real life friends, yeah. telling them that I'd unlocked the secrets of the universe and they just had to come join <laughs> yeah, me, right? Sort of. Yeah,
0: and that key is held by Lisa Kleypas.
1: Yeah, that's that's exactly what happened for me.
0: I mean, but what a good first historical! The Madness of Lord Ian Mackenzie, also a real like three hundred level book. Like you don't du- you jumped <laughs> right in.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, true. It really got me. Yeah, it really got me. Yeah, yeah, it was really amazing.
0: So you started Clapas with Devil in Winter?
1: No, I started Le- I started Cleypus with Mine Till Midnight, Cam oh, and all right. um, Amelia's book. So really bouncing around. Yeah, and and the I mean Saint Vincent and and Westcliff are in that book, mm-hmm. and I was like the new lore just dropped, and I'm not familiar with it. So then I went <laughs> back and I like caught up. I was like references are being made, and I'm not familiar at all. Like whose house is this? Why am I so intrigued by Lillian? And yeah. you know, then I realized they had their own books. Um, so I started with Mind Till Midnight, actually worked my way through, I think, all of the pathways and then went back and read um the quartet, um, and then came to the Ravenels after. Or Ravenels? In the audio, it's Ravenells.
0: So that's what I always say. Mary Jane Wells, would she get it wrong? I don't think so. <laughs> I was I was thinking about this because I don't know if we've ever talked about this before. I am pretty sure that my first Claypus books were the contemporaries. Oh, wow. Isn't that interesting? Because I was looking back through my – so we have a Discord, and one of the questions this week, which, like, we have a question – someone was like, we should have a daily question just to, like, spark conversation. It's been really fun. And I suggested this one question, which everybody, if you're listening at home and want to do this, please let me know because I'm fascinated by it. It's like, go back to wherever you're buying books online. For a lot of us, it's Amazon. And, you know, if it's not, that's fine. Although I think Amazon has the best record keeping. And it was like, go back and figure out what the first romance you ever bought in paper, the first romance you ever bought in E, and the first romance you ever bought in audio. Mm. And like kind of what, and do you remember like when or like, right? And it was, I mean, I've had Amazon for 20 plus years. And so I was like all the way back to like the late 90s. And the first- The first – it was a Susan Elizabeth Phillips for me and the same – in the same like – it was three books. It was a Susan Elizabeth Phillips, a – this is in paper because it was like 1999, um, a Lorraine Heath and a um, pre-Bridgerton Julia Quinn. And the thing I was saying Ooh. is if you I if you would ask me yesterday or before I looked, I would have told you I'd never read Lorraine Heath before we did for the podcast. Like I do not – remember <laughs> like her being one of my people i was like there she is in my fucking amazon account right and mm-hmm. then in an e god i can't remember what it was it wasn't i it wasn't quite as memorable right but it was really interesting to think like but when i was looking back i was like my first clapis books unless i bought a historical somewhere along the, the way and read it and don't remember it is were the like blue-eyed girl, like whatever those were, like those sweet sugar daddy or whatever they were called, right? Yeah. Mhm. And
1: the like I Texas think, ballroom thing. Yeah.
0: And then I think I was like, "Oh, this lady writes historicals too." As opposed to <laughs> Wow. Here's a weird <laughs> little Mind thing blowing. she's doing, right? <laughs> um, well, I just while you were talking looked up my mine um for that. So my first purchase uh on Amazon was Galen Foley's His Wicked Kiss, which Mm. is one I don't even remember that book, but I must have, like, I remember reading Galen Foley. Galen Foley is another um, breastfeeding hero, (laughs) uh, kink person, (laughs) for those of you out there keeping score. Um, (laughs) And then the next order that I placed, so that was uh, February 4th, 2007. And that unlocked me evidently because <laughs> then I, the yeah. n- literal next order was <laughs> February 7th, 2007. And it was Secrets of a Summer Night. But you I had help. already read. You'd already read. Yeah. I mean, I was for sure reading Claybus from the bookstore. Yeah. At that point. I mean, I can remember literally where I was when I read Devil in Winter and I was like. Oh, my God. Like, we talk about Derek Craven, and I do love Derek Craven the most of all of them. But, like, Sebastian in that book yeah. is, like, a perfect hero. The transformation in that book. Oh, yeah. I think I also, I had the same thing where, like, my brain was just firing on. Yeah. I, the summer of 2009, I ordered Elisa's Lisa's Claypus book every month. Smooth talking stranger in June. (laughs) Suddenly you in July and dreaming of you. You were mixing it up. Yes. So I think I did. I think I like was like, oh, wait, she's up. And then just like Mm -hmm. went right into it.
1: I I mean, I honestly think you can kind of pick it up wherever. Like there is that sort of recommended order of starting with a quartet, but it's no matter how you get there you get there
0: well yeah and you you can't it is like the claypus universe too because you could start with yeah. the yes everybody says you have to start with the wallflowers but i mean craven is in you know even you go Ha- you go back and like Derek Craven came before the wallflowers and like starts that story, arguably. And then there's like Lily before him. And I've always I've always been kind
1: of fascinated. Maybe this is the researcher in me in like the idea of a reader ethnography. Like, if you took like a cohort of like 10 romance readers and attempted to genuinely like plot their reading over like an extended period of time, first of all, that would be just an insane number of data points. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. whoever takes <laughs> right. that upon themselves. But I just, I just think it's such a fascinating because we're like developing our taste iteratively as we read, like the unlocking of all these new sensibilities, like shapes all of our future sensibilities. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, I don't know. Every time I return, also because so many of us are like cyclical rereaders, we like develop new ideas. Like for me, even coming back to Dreaming of You now, I've in this reread, I was like, this is a Marxist allegory. Like <laughs> I came out of this reread of Dreaming of You, and I was like no, this is a 100% a Marxist allegory, which is definitely not what I was thinking the first time I read it. But <laughs> Probably
0: like, not what Lisa Klaipas was thinking when she wrote it, but yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who's to say? I'm, didn't she do a political
0: science degree? Yeah, <laughs> maybe. I think that's the part I, I actually find really fascinating. And like, we have talked about this a lot. I, I am fascinated by like the things that didn't hit for me the first time I read them, but I reread them. Or like I read it however long ago and then it like, is dormant in my brain and it bubbles up and I go back to reread it. It's like this fascinating, like, what is going on in there? I mean, I've and, you know, people have heard me say, like, we should do a best of like 2017 now. Like, right, because you don't know what your best or your favorites were often for years. And I mean, because I'm a big rereader. Like, I think there are people out there who never reread, but I am constantly in in rereading. And I'm often thinking, like, what is it that I'm getting out of this reading, rereading this particular scene or this whole book right now? Like, what is it I am needing that I know this exact thing is going to deliver to me? I am not a psychologist, so I could not tell myself. You might be able to tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Working on it, <laughs> Sanj. Do you have a favorite, Klepes? Yeah, mine is Double in Winter.
1: Regrettably, like really, is...
0: I thought it was going to be Winterborn because I've
1: seen the the footnotes on the chart. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm I'm heart eyes for Winterborn. I think he's like kind of a perfect man. And like, I oh, though honestly, my favorite favorite is Cousin West. Like, Cousin West is like, inter- if if I had to Cousin West. if I had to partner with a Klepes hero, like. <laughs> Cousin West is is my guy. There's something about the reformed rake turned farmer. Like, something about the <laughs> agriculture is just, like, really getting me about that book. And he's just, like, so tender. And this thing that um, at Mkick on, uh, on TikTok and, and Twitter and stuff is always saying is that, like, she feels like she likes Cousin West more than Clepas likes Cousin West. And I feel the same <laughs> because she didn't write them an epilogue. And I it, like, breaks my heart every time. But I feel great fondness for both of them but my favorite of the books, the one that I, like, basically reread, like, a religious text, is is Devil in Winter. Um, And I do have, like, new and frustrating questions with that text every time I come back to it. So, like, in terms of the thing that, like, has gripped me for now five years, it, it's that one.
0: I have a question. <laughs> do you start at Devil in Winter, or do you ever go back and read Autumn?
1: I go back and reread
0: all of them relatively frequently. When you think about Saint Vincent, do you think about Autumn Saint Vincent?
1: Yes. Okay. Yes. I do. My the sort of enduring reason why I'm fascinated by this by that book, well, there are many reasons, but one of them is that like I think it's where Clepus like puts forth her theories on masculinity. Mm-hmm. Like the, the idea of, like, what masculinity is, how it can be deconstructed, and how it can be reshaped from, like, the ground up, right? So, like, we know Toxic, complete dick in It Happened One Autumn, he has that terrible Kidnapper. scene where he's, like, my oh, yeah, the kidnapping, but also that scene where he's, like, oh, my ex-lover threatened to kill herself in front of me, and that was really annoying, so I left. Like, they're all, he's doing any number of horrific things, like, terrible. he's right, just on this, like, terrible path. and. I think for people this is varying levels of persuasive but like the reason why I find his like theoretical reform so persuasive is because she takes so much care to humiliate him for the entire first 3 quarters of that book. She's mm-hmm. like merciless. He's financially destitute and reliant on this woman. He is hungry and cold, he's sick, he gets shot. He is like learning how to run the, like he he's genuinely like scrapped in terms of dignity repute has no friends like has like he is right. completely and fully like he has to be like completely beat up yeah to be remade or this like yes to, it's like a creation myth in some sense like this idea of like what raw matter of masculinity is there and how can we reshape it into someone who like can be a hero is is the thing that I like that's the the thesis right and like she plays with this thesis with Craven too like it's the same thing of like Mm -hmm. this person who is this like pinnacle of obsessive masculinity in this like even more like raw unfettered like toxic way in what way do we make that recreation like genuinely persuasive like in some sense Sebastian is like an evolution of that same arc. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. so, and yeah. it's a two book arc in both cases. Like it, Derek is also you know starting that. Can I
0: tell you and this is something that I was surprised when I reread Devil in Winter. Like yeah. again, like kind of for the first time in the way of like for like the podcast or like thinking about it in that way, the thing that to me makes Devil in Winter a really hard read is Cam and part mm. of it is because like back to your whole like masculinity theory it like yeah. really bothers me that he is like constantly referred to as a boy and yeah. and like he's older than Evie <laughs> you know what i mean and yet yeah. the way that he is sort of like infantilized and like referred to as a child yeah. and it doesn't bother him at all right which i respect and i think is probably the only reason it has it has not like completely destroyed devil in winter for me but it's like one of those things like i skip all those scenes and i have only read cam's i don't think i've have i read cam's book i have i've never done it because i'm just like i don't know it just is like not for me maybe yeah well cam's mm-hmm. really interesting too because there is the tee up for cam and daisy yes. in devil in winter yeah. that then yeah. doesn't materialize in scandal and spring
1: yes I was kind of under the impression that that was, like, a publishing rights thing.
0: As I understand it, I think she tried to write it, and she didn't. She scrapped it.
1: It was a... Oh, interesting. That's from Lisa's
0: own mouth. She tried to write it, and Uh she she scrapped it. And I don't think it's secret. I wouldn't have said it if I thought, like, it was a... I also don't disagree with you, though. I think she just... It didn't work. She just didn't... She didn't think it worked. And... I guess you know maybe the timeline was so tight on both of them that you know she couldn't make the sh- make the change. But Cam is a curious character, but also I think because of the Daisy piece, I don't know I, Cam. I don't have the same problem that you have, Jen, because yep. I think for me Daisy and Cam having their like lo- little like love story in that book feels. It feels like he's getting a gift. I think the other thing that's interesting to me about Cam is, like, one of the things, like, that's very frowned upon now, right, is, like, any sort of deviation from the point of view of, like, whatever character we're in for that scene. And I think, like, one of the greatest deviations in romance is the one where Cam Mm. observes, like, the way that Sebastian is so wildly in love with Mm. Evie and doesn't know it. And it it's it's like it's I a, like a tuning fork. That's yeah. right, right? It is such a memorable <laughs> and anytime someone says, like, oh my God, that's terrible and awful, and you should never do it. I think of that moment. Like, what do you yeah. mean? The only yeah. way for us to get that information, those two are so in their own heads. The only way for us to be privy to that information is through a, an outside pair of eyes. Well and it's I feel a real, like um, yeah. homage to Lord of Scoundrels there too. Yeah. Cause That's all, Loretta. That's how Loretta paints Dane in *Lord of Scoundrels* with a with a third party. Yeah, like they're the they're the ones who can tell. And I and I think in that sense, I don't know. I just find it interesting the way that they're like rules she so effortlessly
1: breaks. Mm. Yeah, I mean, her use of POV in general is something that I feel like I'm paying more attention to with every reread. Like Mm -hmm. this in particular, I think *Dreaming of You* is a particularly good example where, like, mid scene you're watching this like pov flip but like if i wasn't rereading this or coming back to it i wouldn't have noticed right it's so effortless it's so seamless but i will also say to your point about like the sort of infantilization of cam i think that's a really good point and one that like in general i think this is what i struggle with with the portrayal of ramani and actually Romani but also her like Irish and Scottish characters where like there is a there is a fetishistic lens like there just is I think every time I talk about Claypas and when I talk about the Hathaway series too I always have a caveat for the first two books where like there's this sort of orientalistic like sort of exotification sort of thing happening and I think that's unfortunately just one of the things that you have to like hold as like a complicated part of the text for me at least. Yeah, I will also say that interestingly, even as like Cam is kind of referred to as a boy and infantilized in the text, there are some really weird moments where Saint Vincent does that to Evie too, where he calls oh, her yeah. a girl, a girl, right? Like, yeah. You know, child. At some like point, he refers th- to as child, right? Yeah, yeah, and so there's like some parody there that I think kind of helps, softens it like, a little manage bit, manage sure. the scales. But it's it's not like an uncomplicated choice, I think.
0: Well, and look, it's also a book of its, I mean, you know, it's I of think it's, time, it's yeah. of its time, right? Like there are lots of mm-hmm. ways in which, you know, I assume like she wouldn't make these choices anymore. And and I think that I yeah. am really comfortable like holding all of, like you said, holding all of that to be. Like I don't expect – yeah. If I expect, like, the books I love to sort of be perfect, (laughs) right, in the way that I think they are now, like, I've lost my entire reading history. And so, you know, I think it's interesting to talk about them. But, I mean, like, I've still reread Devil Winter a million times, right? I mean, certainly we've talked a lot about, um, you know, like, this does not ruin any of these books for me. I just think it's interesting to think about. And, again, like you said, as you read and reread, the ones that I – I don't know, like, I come around to, like, this doesn't bother me this time, and now I'm interested in this thing that, you know, I didn't pay attention to before. They're so, like, her books just are so magnanimous that way, right? There's always something new if you're willing to read for them.
1: Yeah. Oh, gosh. It really is, like, such a generative rereading experience, I think. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's why it's so cool that this, like, Derek Craven Day has been happening for years, because, like, there it's like, it's actually fruitful. Like it's one of those things that's actually (laughs) fruitful. You know what I mean? Like, it's like fun, but it's, it's also like, yeah. Like what are we doing it with
0: it this year? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I mean, it gives you not it gives us the opportunity to really dig into what like we're doing right now, other parts of Kleypas and what she does so well. And I mean, I think there is, I want to get into your, your chart because There is a real textbook Clapus hero, right? And they Mm -hmm. are all, it's like when you're listening to a a really great musician and you're like, nobody plays the guitar like them, right? Like I'm a really big Ani DeFranco fan and nobody plays, you can hear Ani DeFranco playing the the guitar like no one else. I've never heard anybody else play that way. And I feel like with Clapus, there is a, there is a Clapus hero who just no one ever, no one writes like that. And no one, Mm -hmm. he just can't be replicated. And also you open a book and if you're a real fan, like we are, there's a comfort to it. You just sort of slide into that sort of delicious pool of hero. But also I think Lisa's, some of Lisa's finest work is in these heroines who at first glance feel like wispy air, right? Like yeah. Evie is a great example of just like she's barely there, and then suddenly she's all she's everywhere. Um, my favorite, yeah. as I've aged, I think like as I've come back to the books again and again and again, I have become more and more and again the magic fan. Oh, that I think book. Uh,
1: it's so. <laughs> so good, it's so, like.
0: I think I think this is both, you know, as it's getting older and sort of thinking about love in a more complex and, you know, layered way. But I think – personally, but I think it's also about the writing in it. The writer in me, I can't – I'm always amazed by how little happens in that book and how much happens in that book. Like, mm-hmm. the internal – nature of that book is so magnificent. And I think, you know, we've talked on the podcast, I can name like maybe five books that I, where I feel like there is so much internal churn Mm -hmm. that it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. You don't need anything else in the background. Um, Yeah. And so for me, but um, the heroine of Again the Magic is another one who like feels like she's not even there. And she's like she's she's like a breath in a room that's just all hero and then suddenly she's everything. And I think that's what Lisa really does for me is she show she does that that fine work of of building a heroine who just eventually just like consumes you. And I think it's so delicate and it's so it's barely there. And then suddenly the book just opens up at the end and you think that heroine is unforgettable. And I think Sarah is that <laughs> from the jump for me. Yeah. She's one of I think Lisa's rare heroines who like I think Lillian is like that. Like she has a handful of heroines who are larger than life
1: from the jump. Well, it's that it's that really interesting passage in in Dreaming of You where she sort of notices that the thing that she and Derek have in common is that they're both observers of life, that mm-hmm. like she sort of positions herself as this like passive wallflowery individual, like someone who is made for friendship, not for passionate and romance. And yet like she has this streak of pride and she shoots someone in like <laughs> right, right five way. pages. Yeah. So sure. like I, I guess one of the things that I've been like sort of enduringly fascinated by with Clepus's work at large but like i think again the magic and dreaming of you and and honestly devil and winter are really good examples of this is like the ways in which we are inclined to believe our own mythology about ourselves mm-hmm. like the ways that like we sculpt all of the and and i think it tends to be more obvious with the heroes where they're like i'm just a never to be loved and man. <laughs> i'm a, i'm a manly man I smell of is, man you know, <laughs> And and until they're, like, resoundingly, like, humiliated in front of a crowd, they really just stop. That's the only time that they're ever threatening that. But, like, there's something more complicated with a lot of the heroines who are rarely dealing with, like, similarly cataclysmic bodily circumstances where, like, they are also having to challenge their own ideas of, like, who they are, what they're capable of, and, like, the myths that they tell themselves about their lives that have become reinforced. Like, this sort of self-perpetuating narrative that is... It has to collapse, like it has to collapse at some point. And for uh, I think Aileen, right? Aileen, yes. For her, it's like this idea of the like perfect, impervious to all influence beauty, who like is like a touch removed from society, and is this like honorable figure who just like moves through the world without offense. And for Sarah, it's this idea that she's like this, you know, observer who will never be an active participant in the world. And for Evie, it's this like. I was never intent. Like I always knew I was undesirable. I was always. I always knew that no one ever wanted me for anything. And it's not until Sebastian literally says, "Like you should probably let me like give you kids give or you, something." Gave, yeah, right. Now the world is your oyster. <laughs> like right. And she's sort of like, "Oh, I guess it is." Like it, you know, it it takes this like very subtle shift in viewpoint where you like go from thinking essential things about yourself mm-hmm. to like regarding the world with more plasticity. That I think is a really subtle. But, like, remarkable thing. It's a really cool thing. Yeah. That's the thing that people spend their whole lives trying to do. Yeah. Like, unmaking themselves and, like, allowing themselves to be remade, you know?
0: Well, I mean, and I think this is where, like, the fact that they're romances is so important, right? Because mm-hmm. yeah. I think, like, one of the things that, I don't know, it's just, like, really beautiful to me is the idea that, like, the person you're in a relationship is going to make you better in some way, right? And I think that what's really fascinating is when you get to, like, Sarah, who really has no expectation for that, right? Like, she's going to go back to, you know, Grover's Corners, that's not the name of it, something Greenwood Corners, and (laughs) Mary, you know, Mary Percy or Perry or whatever his name is, like, that's how much I dislike him. (laughs) But, like, she's really determined to, like, make her way in the world without love, and then when she sees, like, you know, like, we're both observers or whatever, like, there's this way in which I have some sort of, like, connection to this man. Like, there's something about this. I just think it's, like, really fascinating to see. Like, I, I mean, I, to me, it, she's also in, like, the Garrett Gibson camp mm-hmm. of, like, I have yeah. determined that my life is going to be a certain way because if I let – because this is what I must do. And I know that, like, no man or society will really support me in this. So I have no choice but to go it alone, right? And so it's interesting to think about, like, kind of the way that, you know, like, you have your Claypus heroes categorized. But I think there's ways that, like, heroines are also categorized or, like, I think of them as being in groups. Yeah. Well, I think that with both Sarah and Garrett, there is a moment where, with Sarah especially, Sarah doesn't, in many occasions. Of, 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 uh, to Sanja's point, many of Lisa's heroines sort of are dealing with kind of a sense of what I have is all I will ever have, right? What I am is is what I am. And there's a sense of like, I wish it could be different, but it's not, Mm -hmm. right? But it's not, right. Sarah doesn't have that. She doesn't, she's perfectly happy being... You know, yeah. Sarah. And I think even, you know, Greenwood Corners with, you know, Percy Perry is a <laughs> is, I mean, obviously she's not like over the moon that she's gonna have to end up with Percy Perry, but like, yeah, she's not there's nothing I think Sarah's perfectly happy, and that's what makes the moment where she realizes like the world cracks open and she's like surprised mm-hmm. by the way it could be. And so there's a temptation for Sarah that is really compelling um, because Derek traffics in temptation.
1: Yeah. She's given the opportunity to, like, want yeah. for once. Yeah.
0: And, like, w- like, just, like really, like, viscerally want. Like, yeah. Yeah. like it's, it's earthy the way that she mm-hmm. wants in a different way than, like, you know, Aileen wants, but it's, you know... It, she's a pisces she's like <laughs> up in the clouds <laughs> yeah Aileen,
1: Aileen just like wants to float through a castle like, like yeah. untouched by all yeah like she wants to be like a marble statue come to life and mm-hmm. you know
0: no Sarah wants like, to like take off her clothes <laughs> and like roll in the mud and it's great because Derek's like I got you Yeah, let me make you mud
1: <laughs> happy to do it <laughs> Oh, oh, Derek gosh, Craven yeah. would.
0: He would make you a mud pit. <laughs> he would. He would. Yes. He would. He wouldn't have anything would. to do with Burning Man, but he would make you a mud pit. If that's what you wanted, Absolutely. he'd do whatever you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's look. I'm pulling up your, your chart. So I obviously this yes. is audio, so we will put the chart in show notes and we will also put it in the, it'll be the chapter image here, but it's going to be difficult to read so you'll, you'll come and look at it in show notes, but um, maybe Sanch could walk us through the Clepas Hero it. continuum. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and also like, where did, I mean, I don't know if I got the story about like, where did this come from? Is this just like a pandemic fever? Yeah. That? How did this come to be?
1: This is, okay. So this actually really is the silliest thing in the whole world. <laughs> So my best friend, my long suffering best friend, the person who like, she reads a lot of romance, but she reads a lot of sort of contemporaries. And like when I'm persuading her to read like my two sort of more niche interests, which is historical and monster romance at the moment for academic reasons, um, (laughs) I'm always just sending her like, Unhinged things and expecting her to like be like sure sounds great I'll devote hours of my life to this so I was like no you don't understand like I'm having a brainwave you need to read all of the Clapis books and she was like I'm not gonna read all, that's like fifteen books You're I'm not gonna You're do not that to and react. I was like. <laughs> So I was like, "No, but you don't understand. Like, you have to read at least one from each of these categories, so you can understand what I'm talking about." <laughs> so then I made the, the so chatter, forever and, and like, ever. When we talk about men, we can <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So you're aware that this is what I'm referring to. She has, at this point, now read the Wallflowers and the Ravenels. I have not gotten her to read the Hathaways or so. Uh, I've Derek I've never Cretanet, read the Hathaways. But- they are in the vault. I'm saving them for I don't okay. know. I
0: guess societal collapse. If I'm being honest. It's. I mean, you may be reading it
1: sooner than you expect, but I know it, it could it be any. Nope, this is a fun episode. <laughs> oh right, fun sorry, one, guys. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. It's never to be read. Um, but yeah, so I made the chart for her, and I was like, she's just not appreciating this the way that I need <laughs> her she to like, understand what this like work of art has been to me. So I was like, who better <laughs> than than to the just DM mates, Jen yes. out of the blue? The the funny thing about this is also that like I was like. I can't put this on my Twitter account because I'm applying to master's programs. Every single one of my doctoral interviews, I was like, I read romance novels and I talk about them on the internet. Like I didn't (laughs) private a single thing. I told everybody. And I'm pretty sure I got offers from every school where I talked about romance novels in them. So like moral of the story is like, maybe I didn't have to be doing all of that and like put Jen through the work of like, yeah, it's great. I'm monitoring. It. Like you had so many comments. It was crazy. Like, yeah. You should be doing this and you should be doing that. And, and I, was I was like, like I'll these on. Like <laughs> stop stop bullying her. Like be nice, you know, but like okay. So that's what it was. Let me actually pull up the chart itself. There are like four iterations and I'm having yeah. difficulty finding V4. Um but
0: V4. Yes. yes. Well, cuz there were like yeah, <laughs> V1, V2, right? <laughs> I don't know what one I'm yeah. looking at. So I might have an I old think one. That you might have V3.
1: OK, I think I have. Yeah. OK, yes. V4 I have now. It was February 11th, 2021. So at this point, a few years, which is wild.
0: So we might be making changes right here, right now. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, anything is possible. I'm more than happy to edit. Like Things do change as you read and come back to them. Um, okay, yeah. So the first category are the Reformed Rakes and Degenerates, the ones who have, like, a really witty sense of humor. So Sebastian, uh, Lord St. Vincent, slash Duke of Kingston. We're trying to be specific about titles here. Thank um, you. Is in that one. Sebastian Leo Hathaway, would, be, would Lord want Lord Ramsey. That. <laughs> of course. His, his due credit. <laughs> um, Gideon Shaw from, again, The Magic. Uh, Devon Ravenel, Lord Trenier. Um, and West Ravenel. West, I still feel... Mm-hmm. question mark about where to put him. Yeah. He is a reformed rake, but like he's more of a reformed alcoholic. But I mean so is Gideon Shaw. Who's to say? Anyway, yeah I think that's up for debate. And that's that category. Then there's the entirely too clever industrialist slash working class oh. man. So you know this is where Tom I Severin now when in here.
0: somebody asks me about a he- a here when somebody's like, what kind of heroes is Clapus right? This is where I'm at. I'm like, every one of them is yeah. like the greatest at their job. Like, yeah. invented <laughs> right. the railroads, like, is inventing the department store, invented farming.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's 100%. Yeah. No
0: one's ever gambled before Derek Craven. <laughs> yeah. No. Right. They're always the best <laughs> yeah. at their I mean, job. And I
1: love it. I mean, I, I, it, yeah, give it to me. I just. Okay. I love the way that people talk about work and romance. And mm-hmm. that's, it's a really special category. And like and Lisa really likes work. Yeah. Yes. The number of things I've learned about like 18th century land management. Oilers. Her, from her research. Yeah. Like, well, how and to somehow make it's interesting, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, for me, the thing that's really interesting about Tom severin and also and this is kind of shows up in uh garrett gibson's book too is like how much work there was to actually persuade people to use trains like mm-hmm. yeah all of this sort of marketing campaigns the festival th- that was fascinating to me yeah. but mm-hmm. again not something people would necessarily expect to get out of a romance novel but If you pay attention, you will. Um, But yeah, so Simon Hunt is in there. Zachary Bronson is in there. Harry Rutledge, who like invented the hotel, I guess. Um, Cameron Hunt. I put him in there because like, he's kind of a brilliant investor. And there's this like really funny scene in the Hathaways where he is like, yeah, as a joke, I invested a bunch of money in this company that was like building these stretchy rubber things. And it ends up being a factory of rubber bands. Mm -hmm. So he makes a bajillion dollars off of investing in rubber bands. And then it's about the yearning heroes, which of sure. course every heroes are like in.
0: the the note about the yearning one.
1: Yeah, it's really important. And they they all yearn, but these are some special yearners. Uh, <laughs> is in there. Kevin Kev, is at I the mean, very top. Top yeah. top yearner. He's like invented yearning. So it's I like mean, the top earners true. and the top yearners. <laughs> Exa- ah! Oh, well said. Yes, that's good. We can give them like sub taglines. <laughs> yeah, right. Me. There you go.
0: I mean, I think, I think there's that's, that's canon. Like, there's no discussion yeah, yeah. on who the top yearner is. Like, it's Kev. Yeah.
1: It's like a self destructive. <laughs> carrying hearing. her
0: around <laughs> for uh, not, that's the only time he'll allow himself to touch her for years.
1: Yeah. I don't, it's I don't, much. I don't really. Much. <laughs> yeah.
0: Kate Claiborne is her much. favorite. And I'm like, It just sounds like. great, but it's too much. Yeah. I would have to be in a real special place. I'm going to have to want to sink somebody into the ground to read about a man suffering like that. But I also think there's like a qualifier here in the yearning category that I want to propose because you have McKenna in the yearning category. And what I want is some like a sub yearning category where I'm yearning so much I want to kill things.
1: (laughs) 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 Or possibly (laughs) you. (laughs) Love that. Love that. Oh, like, yeah. That's a really special. Like angry oh. yearning. Yeah, like, I'm angry at myself I'm for feelings. I'm so mad
0: way. about how much I am yearning. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: what, what are and feelings?
0: I, I, I would say, see, it's interesting. It's hard. This is because these are bucketed. But like Christopher Phelan goes through a period of this in his book as well. Oh, yeah. Because when he finds out that he's been yearning for the wrong girl. He just, oh, loses oh he's so his bad.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's so good. It's so, it's one of the best moments in the whole book where he's like, I'm going to kill her. But the yeah. thing is, Derek Craven also has a I'm going to kill her moment. Yeah. There's Fun. something about like homicide as yearning that I'm like really drawn to. I mean,
0: it's not great. We should, we, co- it's not the bad sure. content of the morning on right the up, patriarchy, actually. but I love
1: it. Fine. Also, like, they're not actually gonna do it. No, <laughs> hyperbole. Like,
0: like, also, there's something what? like I want it. I want him to feel every feeling at eleven, including yearn, killing. Yeah,
1: <laughs> year, It's your year, a- year, yearning. <laughs> do you do you both your- watch side. Grey's Anatomy at all? Yeah, I'm I did back the in the day. Major. Yeah, I've not watched yeah, all twenty seven yeah, seasons I or whatever it recently. I'm, I'm hate watching my way through the first 10 seasons of it at the moment. And I uh, recently picked up on the concept of referred pain, where like when you experience pain to a main part of your torso, your body like can't process it and refers it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So like when people experience pain in their arm and it, it's like a signal that you're having a heart attack or something, yeah, 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 like right. that's what I feel the homicide is yearning is. Yes. It's referred pain, mm-hmm. I right? like it. Like, oh, absolutely. Uh, instead of like... It's it's self-flagellation sublimated into murder, <laughs> yeah. but not yes. really like yeah. yearning for murder, you know? <laughs> like, that's what it is. That's that's a good caveat. And there are a few that go in there. Cause yeah, Captain Phelan,
0: McKenna. I mean, nobody again, top top urine homicide is McKenna.
1: Yeah. hmm hmm So I would agree. much so
0: that he's then decided to like come back and kill most of England, like as part of it. <laughs> yeah. <sure. laughs> Just let me blow that whole place up. Yeah. Yes.
1: It's really good. That's also, like, such a specifically historical romance feature that I'm so drawn to. Yeah. I've been talking to my friends a lot about private arrangements by um, Thomas. Cherry Thomas, mm-hmm. where the hero in that is, like, I, I had histrionic fantasies of, like, ruining your life because yeah. I was so in love with you, basically. Yeah. I do. I am a sucker sucker for that, generally.
0: Again, it's I'm not great, it. but it's but, super great.
1: <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. These aren't necessarily like models for intimacy, obviously. So, well, so wait, I have a question. Can I
0: can I fine tune the murder yearning? So like <laughs> sure. when Derek Craven thinks that Sarah is dead, is that like the opposite? Like almost like oh, suicidal yearning, murder, resurrection, suicidal yearning. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right, I mean, uh, like he. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't. I mean, maybe. Well, I feel like all up, but... of them though have that edge. Yeah, like at yeah. any point, any one of these men could just go right off a cliff. Yeah, like, like if I'm not with her, yeah. If she like, there is a real mm-hmm. Clapas yeah. vibe of like, if she dies, I die. Like, right? Mm-hmm. Not like if There's, like if she we dies, love you, die as right, one that side. Is, yeah,
1: that's a different yes. And then if, if she, she dies, dies yeah. I
0: just don't live.
1: Yes. They're all kind of confronting like an existential dread. Like there is an oh, existential yeah. wound in all of these heroes that I'm finding really compelling.
0: Well, and I think it's like fascinating because if it goes from like I don't deserve love, I never want love, to like yeah. then okay, I was saddled with it, but now I can't live without it. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Like this has now uh, maybe the reason I was resisting it because I knew it would change me at the molecular level, but now I'm changed, and that's all there is to it.
1: Yeah. Well, I think this is. Pretty- particularly unsubtle in Derek Craven because he literally talks about having such a fascination with death in his younger years Mm -hmm. and like I mean then literally being a grave robber but he sort of is like flirting with an absence of meaning and total nihilism and then he's like yes rocked completely rocked which I mean I just find really charming me too (laughs) listen
0: talk about you, you he's like I'll get you a mud puddle but first let me roll around literally in the ashes of my burned casino and weep for my lost love I don't hate. God, it. Imagine if she really was dead, what would he have done? He'd just still lay there. Someone pours some would mint he? on him. Yes. No, he would or would he have like he would have gone and murdered London? He would have murdered. Yeah, right. He would have jacked the river yeah. his way through the men of London. Yeah. <laughs> Never not women. Yeah. And then Totally. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. We just wouldn't have a London. And then
0: straight into mm-hmm. the Thames. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. He'd go up in blazes. I mean, and I God hate to say it, but, after. like,
0: you know how – I mean, I hate to say it, but, like, Bella in Twilight basically pulls this move, right? Yeah. Like, after Edward breaks up with her, it's like – she's like, what can I do to yeah. feel alive, right? And I think that that is – that it's, like, that – a similar a similar thing. What can I do to feel alive?
1: Mm-hmm. Poor Derek. And that's poor, why they're yearners. Poor yes, I mean, all of them the, – the difficulty – The difficulty with the yearning hero category is just that everyone thinks that the hero they like best is the best yearner. And I do, (laughs) I understand. Like, I understand the reasoning. There was a lot of, like, doesn't he yearn enough? And I'm like, okay, totally. But we, there must be order, you know? (laughs) There must be order, you're right.
0: I also feel like I have point of order. I'm going to, I'm going (laughs) to counter... Winterborn on this, I appreciate that you say he fits in every category. This is what the... Okay. Mm-hmm. Sanchez left a footnote here about <laughs> Reese, and it says, Reese mm-hmm. Winterborn fits every category but the reform rakes, but he did spend two books, bold, <laughs> obsessing mm-hmm. over Helen, so he will stay here with the acknowledgement that he is magic. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Fair. Fair. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I do think Reese moves way too quickly for us to consider him <laughs> as a to- as top yearner. Like... He yeah, doesn't. He, he's not. There is five yeah, minutes fair. where he has allowed himself to yeah. yearn, and then mm-hmm. he's after her. So
1: totally, yeah. I think, think he's like. Rec- sure. I recognize. I recognize feeling. Let me go ahead and be clever industrialist. Care of it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, total. Let me make you an orchid garden and learn how to orchid. <laughs> so let's let's learn about orchids for sure. Like, yeah, we're not in the last category
0: yet, but in the first version, Jack Devlin. Was in working class industrial, and oh. I was like, "Listen, I think he belongs in proper in the sheets, animal in the sheets, proper in the streets, animal in sheets." Because I was like, he is the only the the only one with a hint of butt stuff. Like he's the uh, one who's like, you haven't read the rave, the the Hathaways, the Hathaways. Cam Cam oh, yeah. has oh, a ring on his thumb and saucy. puts it right up in her. Oh, fascinating. So, I mean, if butt stuff moves you over there, yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying I, he's like inventive <laughs> and fun in the sack in a way. A lot of these men are not
1: there. There is like a butt stuff addendum on here. And I <laughs> I'm, I think it's important scholarly work. Personally, <laughs> I also I also like not made aware of the butt stuff in Mindful Midnight until like much later. I guess I just didn't notice it. Like there's yeah. kind of an interesting moment where he's like his ring is on his thumb he finger. And like the ring. She feels to it. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's do the yeah, business. But down I guess there. I didn't I didn't process like all right, intellectually Cam. what's happening. Not a boy um, anymore. I... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like he's all grown up and Amelia is experiencing things big time. And it's it's <laughs> really something yeah. Oh gosh, now I'm like wondering. I'll give it some thought. We'll give it some thought. I I mean obviously like, this is your work. <laughs> um I mean, a lot of this was crowdsourced though. People did have to Do quite a few. I did have to do quite a there, there's a good reason for there being four versions. (laughs) I just was not giving the Bow Street runners enough. Oh yeah. Now wait
0: a second, because that is my question. There are no Bow Street Runners in here. Well, there's Sir Ross Cannon. Oh, he's not on my version. Where do you have him? He's
1: in he's in V4. He's in V4. Okay. Yeah, I gotta go
0: back and And then Mr. Russian time traveler. (laughs) Where's Hay? Oh,
1: gosh, that one? That one I have no idea what to do that with. That is such a weird that book. That book is bizarre. <laughs> I have such a hard time yeah. explaining that book to people because I'm like, it feels like none of the others. Yeah, and he yes. goes
0: into reform rigs, I think, but...
1: You know, it's funny <laughs> yeah. because
0: I just sent you to a link in the chat. There's a a woman named Grace Evans made a Venn diagram.
1: I saw that. Of I the was Clay really Paceros. compelled by that.
0: I know. And her three big categories were... We will were, put this in show notes. You will put in it in show notes, too. And we'll try and find Grace to thank her. I don't know if she's still on, you know, who knows. Fix it with charm, fix it with a contract, or I don't deserve to fix it. And I was like, oh, that's smart.
1: Yeah, I'm a big fan. I'm looking at, oh, interesting.
0: I mean, people really came to town with, like, their best Claypist thoughts here. And I just think that that's nice. Oh, and I looked Sebastian in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, because he's all of them, right? He is. He is the one that she where she combined everyone.
1: Yeah. It's kind of, I mean, again, theories on masculinity. <laughs> and if she's experimenting with that all the time, got to put it somewhere. I just, I'm so interested in this. I like the West Ravenel placement of I don't deserve to fix it because that really is his thing, isn't it? Oh, yeah. no, I'm seeing version four. No, I'm not. I don't.
0: I still don't have. Yeah. Ross. Here, let me see. Well, I also Mm -hmm. think it's then it's like if you combine the two, right? Like I don't deserve to fix it. And yearning would clearly create a a hero who would be act very differently than like I don't deserve to fix it like reformed rake. I mean, so like the other thing is, you know, it's like if we think about it as like mindset versus like, I don't know, like a property of like the way you operate in the world, then it's, like, really Mm -hmm. interesting, too, to, like, kind of put all these things together. But I do feel also, like, all Clepas heroes, at some point at the end, feel, I don't deserve to fix it. Like, I mean, they get to a place where, like, they obviously don't even deserve to breathe the same air as heroin. Totally. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is, that's the whole ballgame. That's how I want all romance heroes to feel. Mm -hmm. Because I think patriarchy humility (laughs)
1: is for the best. Totally. (laughs)
0: yeah yeah. All right so there's version four sarah i'm looking at it now okay
1: yes there is so alex lord rayford is in there and sir ross cannon is also in there sir ross cannon has like a very interesting like chair situation in in his book where he like like sets her up in some sort of like medieval like desk chair. chair yeah yeah so there's a sex chair scene, which I think warrants him being proper in the streets and well in the sheets. This is a very misunderstood category. Mm, okay. It's a very okay. misunderstood category. I think it's a lot fine. of people were sort of like, well, my intention was just to say like, people who are like the heroes who are really concerned with like propriety and order and status are the most like conventionally like wealthy established in society of all of the Klaibus heroes. Mm-hmm. But obviously, as with all heroes is like, you know. A consummate professional in bed, of course, and like the <laughs> thing about this is that obviously all of them are great. the The, the question yeah, should right. not be who is good in bed. Everyone, is. no, they think they are the all great in bed. On this is romance, Come propriety, on. and like established mm-hmm. order. So, like that's why Marcus is is at the top because he's so he's so like prim and proper until he loses his mind in that library mm-hmm. and like ab- like. Can't stop thinking about this woman who's trying to get a pear out of a jar. So like <laughs> he, you know. And and Captain Phelan similarly has this thing of like, I'm I'm this like tortured military guy who like can't touch this like beautiful, young, like unspoiled mm-hmm. creature of the woods and wildness. But also, like, it's it's unseemly for us to be seen together. And then they like have sex in a barn. So, you know, everybody sure. wins. And then Alex Lord Rayford is also very established, but I wouldn't necessarily say he was ever like a very prim and proper person. Like, he just is conventionally titled and like grew up in that wealth and didn't have to come to it randomly in his later years, as as many of these other individuals did, even the titled ones. Um, And then Gabriel Lord St. Vincent is also on there. And he is very proper and grew up entitled and all of that, but he has, like, ghost of BDSM in there. Like, he likes some rope stuff, (laughs) and he's, like, really beat up about it. But, like, in a way, that is so funny. Just chill, Gabriel. You're fine.
0: (laughs) I have to admit, (laughs) yeah, I recently listened to Devil in Spring for the first time in a couple years, and I, like, laughed out loud several times. I mean, that book is genuinely funny in a way Mm -hmm. that, like, a lot of Clay books are, like, more serious I mean, yeah, it's great. (laughs) It's great. Yeah, but yeah, Yeah. his whole thing. I'm like, you know, I'm just too,
1: too much of a libertine for her, (laughs) which is outrage. I mean, even his dad is like, be for real. Yeah, (laughs) he has that great line where he's like, he's like, my my father did things that would make Sayers blush. Like, you think you're all that? Right. (laughs) Yeah, it's really good. It's a great moment. It's a really good moment. He is, like, he's still, that's the thing, too. I really love Devil in Spring, but Sebastian is all over that book as well. Like, crawling over it. I think the thing that,
0: for me, it's, like, there's a way in which it's, like, he's aiding the main couple as opposed to, like, being kind of front and center. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, like, it kind of, it just, like, the balance was, for me, out of whack in that last one, right? Whereas it was more in sync in um earlier ones but it had but, to be I mean the backstory of that character is essential to Sebastian I mean like Sebastian has to be yeah. there
1: sure mm-hmm. yeah yeah I love the moment where Gabriel is sort of like I'm not a rake my dad was a rake <laughs> he keeps having to be like I'm not yes. my dad <laughs> I'm not but that Saint is- Vincent <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly. But there's also some really interesting characterization of aging Sebastian that I find really like kind of lovely to see yeah. where it's like not obtrusive. And it's one of the moments when Pandora first notices, like she says this thing that has literally stuck in my mind since I read it, where she says that Sebastian has the look of someone of a man who genuinely likes women. Yeah. Like is just charmed by them, is interested in them. And that's that's so good. Right. Like yeah. that is such a good remake of what was previously made someone a rake right
0: yeah
1: yes yes it's a really good spin but yeah so there are some missing pieces here we don't have care from care 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 i think care Care? i don't i don't know know. i don't know sorry to scottish people care um (laughs) from devil in disguise and a couple of the The boastery runners
0: Runners are missing mr russian time traveler is missing hold on if we're going to apologize to the good people of Scotland for the things historical romance has done to them, <laughs> we're going to be here all night. So I'm just so going to say. So true. But really has filled the coffers of tourism in sure. Scotland you're well, for yeah. a
1: while. <laughs> so you're welcome for all those ladies who come. Sure. Sure. <laughs> that's, that's fair. That's fair. We we give it. We give it. and we take. Like it's, you know. Exactly. Great.
0: Um, Yeah. I'm looking. Yeah. It's Midnight that's Angel. the category. Is that that the last r- category. Oh, is that what it's called? Midnight Angel, the 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 Russian one, Stokehurst. It has a purple cover. No, wait. This is. <laughs> wait, is this right? No, this is wrong. This is another one. Midnight Angel is. She fakes her own death to escape the gallows. What book is this? I don't know. Something I've not read, read that one. Oh boy, everyone. <laughs> No, there is. This is the one. I just don't remember that being the beginning. That's weird. Um, But anyway, this is part Russian. There's selective amnesia.
1: (laughs) Sure. A tiger. (laughs) And there's also, like, a full-on dream sequence of him living a past life as a Russian oligarch. For, like, a hundred (laughs) pages,
0: he dreams of being an oligarch. It is bananas. It is really, really, yes, very odd and they're yeah, they're like distant something. cousins it's there's a lot yes. there's a lot in this one
1: mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um so i i you know not on the chart yet no but, but i i will totally days. reread it to help <laughs> you put it on the, I mean, listen
0: this is my thing I, I like even that. the weirdest yeah. clepis book is definitely a fun read so
1: yeah i completely agree like the Bow Street Runners are not the ones I reread most often, but like there's nothing but a good time to be had. Is um suddenly you in here? Yeah,
0: Devlin goes. Oh, Devlin, he's... Jack Devlin, of course. Yeah. yeah. He yeah, he was the Our one who was originally butt stuff in. Addendum. Yeah. No, stuff and I addendum. was like part of the butt stuff of it. And I was like, look, he's a lot of fun in the sack. I think he belongs in the streets. <laughs> that is a great book. Yeah, that is a great book. That is a great book. And they all they do yeah, I mean they're all they all yearn. Oh. Lisa mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Lisa's beautiful heroes, I think the thing that's really fun about categorizations like this, which are obviously always going to be imperfect and works in progress, et cetera, et cetera. every caveat, is that like you kind of see her her relationship as an author change mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. to the text yeah. like the this sort of iteration where you're like, oh yes, totally leo is Leo Hathaway is totally a later iteration of. Saint Vincent, like he's kind of a degenerate has like an opium problem but he is like deeply haunted by grief and loss in in leo's case it is his former lover but in sebastian's case it's like all of his sisters who died of scarlet fever like you're seeing like and, and then suddenly comes into this massive responsibility and becomes preoccupied with like kind of a stuffy prim theoretically unattractive woman who like slips into his line of sight theoretically like, that, unattractive <laughs> Always, because for some reason, they're all just wearing, like, a terrible, ugly lace cap that, like, makes them look like they're three steps from joining a convent. Um, (laughs) But, like, the thing is, Leo is, like, a softer version. Like, he's a a soft succession. Mm -hmm. And so even as you see these, like, ghosts of rakes past in the more recent ones, like, there's something different to be charmed by, I think. Even the industrialists get, like, more complex and, like, more... Like Reese is a later iteration of like Zachary Bronson and so on and so forth. But Absolutely. There's yeah. There's something there about the growth that I find I wouldn't even necessarily say growth, just like evolution.
0: You know, uh, <laughs> my friend Hannah who loves Klepus like is always like everybody she's just like if you need it you can always just count on Clapus for a good kidnapping. <laughs> right? <laughs> and that was true, yes, but, but it's it is not, not anymore. true anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think one yeah. of the things that's been really interesting is, like, to think about, like, in The Raven was, like, what has, like, filled that, right? And it's mm. interesting to me, like, the way that some of these things have, like, played out in different ways, right? So, like, there's sort of, like, sedition and, you know, like, in for Pandora and for Garrett, like, Garrett. right, like, this threat from yep. outside Garrett. Um, but, you know, for, like, Tom Severin and Cassandra, it's this— this orphan child, right? And like yeah. sort of poverty, like the the sort of that the, that they're gonna sort of face. I think there's like a really explicit way in which like the several of these heroines get the like, use this money to save more than just yourself. Um, and I and I think that part's really interesting too. Like as she has like changed or evolved in the way she deals with her characters in some way, we've mm-hmm. seen some of what I would consider like those claypus Hallmarks, right? A good kidnapping, mm-hmm.
1: disappearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. I guess in Severin's book, Severin and uh, Cassandra's book, there is like a literally four-second kidnapping. Yeah, but not quite, of her, right? Literal.
0: Of this boy, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, right.
1: Exactly. I think the last like traditional kidnapping was <laughs> Harry Rutledge getting kidnapped at the end of his book, and then and then Poppy having to go get him <sighs> when he's like stuck in a wall. Yeah. Or something. Yes. Yeah. Because he wouldn't make a gun. That was really something. I don't remember
0: that part. He wouldn't make a gun.
1: Yes. So he's like a brilliant inventor on top of being someone who invented hotels. Um,
0: Wait, he's (laughs) the one who has all the
1: automatons. Yeah. 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 And he like meets with a defense contractor who's like, if you make this, England will win every war forever. And he's like, I'm not going to do that. And. Lisa. this guy is like, okay, I'll kidnap you and lock you in a room until you in you build the gun that I want you to build. And Poppy is like, that's not going to fly for me. So
0: it's, <laughs> so it's like a proto Iron
1: Man, it. but he says no. <laughs> yes, exactly. Literally, this could
0: have been the, a Clepas Avengers, but he was like, no. Yes. Oh, my God. The Clapus well, Avengers. I, that's next week. Next year's episode. Next year. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I mean... I'll send in my ideas. (laughs) You volunteer as tribute. (laughs) I'm I'm sure people have strong ideas about that too. Oh, yeah. But like, I I also think that like, in some way as the series progress, the like outside world of like London and like globalism and industrialization uh become more pervasive literal threats in these books where like part of the reason why this whole like sedition plotline is happening is...
0: She moved the whole thing, right? Sebastian... It's a whole generation forward. right. And she was already writing Victorian. I mean... Yeah. She really is in it. Like, the industrial shit is happening. And it's trickier when you get that late in... I mean, listen, London was always terrible. Like, there are lots of things to talk (laughs) about in terms of, like, the way London treats people. But, like, when you get that far in, you're talking about mega-industrialization and a lot of terrible things that happen. So, yeah, she's got a... Figure out a pathway. It's not kidnapping. It's, you know, match girls <laughs> face rotting. Yeah. It's not that yeah. in any of the books, everyone. But it this could makes be, me wanna you know what this makes me want to do though is like go back and reread the contemporaries. Mm. Which I think happened between the wallflowers and the halfways. Like if we were looking yes. at the publication dates that it correct? was when she switched from Harper yeah. Collins to St. Martin's. Right. Um I think it would be really interesting to read them in like light of these categories or the other categories, right? And think like how are because I mean certainly like I think you can lean a lot harder into like the industrialist and the like, you know, like the Mm -hmm. and I think it you know was oil. It was like Hardy Cates and you know I mean I think it's really interesting to think about. (laughs) I just said like a magic word, right? Still haven't read them. Oh really that's there, the one Sanj. that's the one yeah. to read there well it, i think it would be interesting i'm just saying like to think well and like, then she right? did that like she did that batch of like magical realism ones where like she could bake food and like change your one of them was like a baker and her food could change your your like um emotions and another one could like make oh. turn glass into <laughs> animals like what? I haven't read those either.
1: <laughs> She's like, wait a minute! <laughs> I'm I'm furiously googling. <laughs>
0: no, there's one, think... and like all I can remember is like there's a stained glass window, and she like turns it into a, a like a giant field of butterflies, hmm. which I, I might have just ruined for everyone. But oh, is this is this Crystal Cove? No, yes, Ra- yes. Friday. Yes. I think that was right Harbor. Oh my god! You don't have anything else to do, right? You could just
1: oh, yeah, read nothing. all these. <laughs> It's fine my semester totally didn't just start no. i'll yeah start on the tonight. <laughs> <laughs>
0: this is important work <laughs> and then in one of those she explores like shabari like there's you can see lisa what? really trying like <laughs> trying things she's, yes. she's right and this is why like that that i keep going back to that russian time travel book but like there are there are some books that she has written that really do feel like she was like I'm going to try something completely different here, and yeah, uh, like I said, like even the weirdest Claypus is still has pretty something yeah. fun to read. That's really yeah. interesting. Yeah,
1: that's the thing. Like even a, a least favorite for me is still going to be like oh yeah, better than. a a lot of other books definitely
0: i mean she's clearly one of the best of us yeah i mean i'm not even the ones yes i'll just say agree like it's
1: like lisa clay is like pizza it's always good yeah (laughs) i i would agree with that and like i do think there's something really interesting and kind of like the thing that some of these like complex existential threats around industrialization and stuff that like show up in in the ravenel's are things that are are teased in earlier yeah. work. like she's it's such yeah. a yes the thing about looking at her work is that it is such an interesting body of work like to single out any singular book as like the the one the only one that you should read feels mm-hmm. like no you're not gonna get the picture right like you you have there's a picture happening where like these people are developing intimate relations in a world that's increasingly like hostile and alienating and consumerist and capital like it's all of that is happening you know so to that end if somebody's listening right
0: now and has never read a clay book i know first of all what are you doing here Yeah. has this been real weird for you this <laughs> last hour um obviously we love Derek Craven but I'm not sure he's the one that I would recommend as the first uh in 2024 so where do we what do we recommend is it totally
1: nuts to say again the magic
0: <gasps> it's so good it's so good you're
1: two in one
0: And that secondary love story is, is I mean, I say it all the time. It's my favorite. It might be my favorite romance novel, that secondary love story. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's.
0: I I also think like there's part of me that really. (laughs) Why am I such a sucker for like, I will quit drinking for you. Like I will leave and get dry and then come back. Mm -hmm. Like years later to save you. Again, the magic for me
1: is like the historical cousin to "Nobody's Baby But Mine" by Susan Elizabeth Phillips, where Mm -hmm. there's like a total banger of a B plot, where there's again, like, let me reform to like capture this thing I know we have slash could have, and that book is also amazing. I'm always like waxing poetic about "Nobody's Baby But Mine," but same, I think there's so good adjacency here that's worthwhile.
0: I really struggle with addiction and romance when mm-hmm. it's in the a plot mm-hmm. because what I deeply want for a character who's struggling with addiction in a romance mm-hmm. novel is to like leave the book and go take care of themselves and heal whatever that looks mm-hmm. like, and then when you are ready to find love, and again, come, back, come back ready for love. Yeah, right. And that's mm-hmm. probably why that works for me because that. Right? Mm -hmm. It's interesting, though, because I think that there are large, there is a large swath of romance readers who would rather not see it that way. Like, who would rather see them, like, believe that there is, like, a, that it come... Imme- that it be immediate like the yeah. characters doing the work mm. has to be like on page with the other character and I agree with you like I think yeah. it has to be off page. I think I'm just too steeped mm-hmm. in the whole idea of like when you're going through recovery like they t- say to you they right say, don't start a relationship don't start a relationship for like a year like you have to be yourself first and I think I just really believe that about every kind of relationship like if you're entering into it and you're not yourself yeah, not your best self, but like yourself, right? Then, so, yes. yeah. In this so, particular book, there is a yeah. secondary love story. Everyone, check your content warnings. But I'm going to tell you, there is a, there is an addiction plot line. Um, but mm-hmm. he does do his own work. Mm-hmm. I agree. Again, yeah. the magic is a good starting that's point. A good, that's a it's great. It's also, I think you're right, Sanj. It's also really good for new readers in 2024. Like. Yeah, It's a little bit quieter, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you don't have to know all the players from earlier series, which I think mm-hmm. is Can be a hard, piece yeah. of the Ravenel challenge. Problem, yeah. Right?
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's true. I think, I mean, suddenly you is very fun.
1: Yeah. Jack Devlin knows what he's about. There is also a miscarriage in that one, which, like, oh, right. I mean, yeah. I... But, yeah. like... I don't know. It doesn't occupy a ton of page time, and I don't think that's necessarily reason to avoid it as a book. And it does a lot of the other things that are really interesting: the writer heroine, the like industrialist publisher as a hero. The like premise itself is so fun, but yeah, like
0: that's I, that is the piece of that I think often, get, like it's Hannah's point of like, if you want a reliable kidnapping. Yes, <laughs> right. right mm-hmm. I think so many of us who came to Clapis years ago feel like, there is some, like, you want a Claypus book to deliver a kind of w- wild plot yes. in some way. Yeah. And suddenly you has that. He, she's turning 30, and yeah. she has this albatross around her neck of her virginity, and she would like someone oh. to rid her of it. And so she hires a courtesan to come to her home and rid her of the her virginity. And uh, the doorbell rings, and she opens it, and a very handsome man is standing there. And, um... She thinks that he is her sex worker for the evening. And he is like, okay, I guess I'm just going to go along with this. (laughs) Seems fun. (laughs) And it's, that's like chapter one. So (laughs) a very fun one.
1: I do love that, like, she has so many heroines who are independently wealthy, who because i think lily yeah. um lawless lily in in yeah, Then right. came you if that's her book yep. is also i mean she's until she gives away a bunch her of money, her money because of her. A, a kidnapping okay. situation
0: yeah
1: see she's got like a an italian count ex-husband or something who's been like you know dragging mm-hmm. her child around so well yes she's independently wealthy and like uh in suddenly You, she's independently wealthy. Evie is wealthier than Sebastian. Like, the, the, in a lot of circumstances, I think economic reliance is, like, a really huge motivating... Like Lillian is, like, a perfume... Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, heiress. She's yeah. an heiress, that's right. Right. um I really love that. I think that's fun.
0: I do think the wallflowers are a solid. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the I wallflowers would be a solid choice. often skip summer, not for any reason, than just because I want to get right into that autumn, winter, spring. <laughs> sure. Um, but summer's great, too, so. Is that Westcliff? Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, Westcliff no. is uh, it's um, autumn. That's right. A short king. A short if king. You, like, no, you short, know, I just wanted to say king. a short king. Yes. <laughs> yes. Somebody sorry, the other day, like, tweet, retweeted or something, like, you know, it was me. I this, made. was it you? No. Yeah, it was like I. Tr- I asked Kelly. I asked Kelly to Photoshop in Westcliffe where it says where it says um Calvin Klein Calvin Klein uh, on that picture of mama. Jeremy Allen White. And yes. I was <laughs> a short no, game that's and, not what I'm thinking of. Though. Oh, okay, I'm thinking of somebody else who posted a, a a screenshot of a later book, a book like that isn't Autumn, where Westcliffe is referenced and <laughs> so is his height. <laughs> The commentary was. It it was Ambriel always taking an opportunity to remind us that West. Every time. (laughs) Every time. Yeah, it was Ambriel. Really funny. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All of these are great choices. I could also maybe make a case for Zachary Bronson, which is Mm. a straight up Beauty and the Beast like retelling, Mm. right? Yeah. Classic. Yeah. And I I love those. I think that, like, lots of readers do. And I think that, like, the comfort with sort of, like, the way this plot is going would really, like, maybe. Mm -hmm. That's where dreams begin. Yeah. So, I mean, I can make a case for that being. And I think it's also a standalone, right? Uh, Yes. And the first line of the ca- of the cover copy is Zachary Bronson has built an empire of wealth and power because yes, he of has.
1: course he <laughs> <laughs> yes he has they all think the accruing of capital will solve all their problems and then guess what <laughs> so, so I, okay I like kind of got into fake economics discourse with people about like this uh, on TikTok <laughs> like a year ago because like why not uh-huh. but where someone was like she loves a capitalist hero and I was like do you think she's not being deeply critical of like total industrial exploitation right. money and can't all buy of,
0: everything like, yeah
1: every single one of those men is so rich and so unhappy like they are profoundly disturbed yes. right and they're all forced to lose like she strips them yes. bare all of them yeah Yes, it's just, I'm like, I don't know. I think there's something else to the story here. Like, <laughs> right, exactly. Tom, Tom Severn is such a good example of this. Like, yeah. He's, yeah, yeah. But
0: also, like, my favorite is every clay, every single hero. the new one comes out and it's like, no, this one's the wealthiest and most powerful. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Everything I <I've laughs> told you before, here's a new one. Here's a new one.
1: That whole scene that's dedicated to being like, yeah, we do know that Reese is wealthy, but just think, Tom has like eight million times that. So <laughs> yeah, exactly
0: <laughs> like, one and a half more than, than your widens. boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> These three dumb sisters who have never seen anything but Hampshire landed the three most eligible bachelors, <laughs> the three richest dudes. And
1: good for them. Right? I don't
0: care. Good for even for It's romance reasons. It's perfect. Yeah, I don't. Right. I have no notes on any of this. But I mean, I think what's interesting about Severin. In particular, which I... I would not start with Severin, everyone. No, I would, I would not begin. either. I I wouldn't at all. I think you have to... Is I think that he is such an outsider in a way that... Like, Reese thinks he's an outsider, but isn't even in the way that Mm-mm. Tom is. And I think it's really interesting to see, like, him as a character, like... He is not after a society wife the same way Reese Winterborn is, right? He wants something yeah. different, and it's really, really interesting to me the way like I, I don't know. I'm I, the first time I read it, I was like, I don't, I, it was fine. But ev- in the interim, I've read it a couple more times and have been really like, oh, there's so much interesting stuff going on here, right? Yeah.
1: I love that book, but again, it's the situation of like, there's so many other characters who like make right. appearances. Mm-hmm. So, like, oh, yeah, no, it's, it's real and feeding. Yeah. Yeah. Who's West and who's Westcliff and who's, you know, you know it, there are just too many other questions to answer. And also, it's like, it is very different. You're right, too, that like, it, I think some of the, Tone and context of other Claypus novels. Like, if this is going to be your primer to it, it will feel very different. If you oh, go yeah back no, this
0: is yeah. I wouldn't read it. Any of the Wallflowers. Yeah, like, no, no, no. Like, 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 like read you know, yeah. read
1: that last. I mean, it's a different book, and I love it. It's so good. The newspaper. He buys her a newspaper. Listen, like, the best. How can you? That's. Oh, it's so good. It's, so, it's good. so good. It is. <laughs> I love it.
0: In every book, it's like, Eddie her fill in the blank. <laughs> <flag. laughs> Here's the thing. Every Klaipis, every Klaipis Hero is like, what is the problem that you have? Let me just throw all yep. my money at solving whatever your problem is. And that's... Yeah really compelling in late stage capitalism (laughs) right and then it's like and then please take your money and solve the world's problems you think right yeah
1: well west west is a notable departure from these because he is like so broke and like not like even in inheriting or whatever he he might get he's not going to get a lot from phoebe he has like a little parcel of land i think he and yeah doesn't have any money that's right that's right he's got that a uh, estate that he never wanted to inherit. Um, yeah, there, there. I think those are the three like notable exceptions to that. Like, yeah. let me throw money at your problem. Mm. Listen, yeah. and still,
0: an hour and a half. Uh, they're in... winners. I feel like we could keep going <laughs> forever. For hours. That's the best thing Thanks about so much. Derek Craven yeah, episode. I think earlier this week I was like, Sarah's like, should we prepare something?" And I was like, "I trust the process." That's what I say <laughs> to my husband all the time. Right now, we are like downtown Chicago, and he was like, "Where are we going to park?" And I was like, "Just trust the process." And like, I turned the corner, and there was like <laughs> a parking spot. spot right there, and he's like, "What the fuck?" And I was like, "Listen, I told you just so." Yeah. And tonight, just put it into the universe. I was like, "This is just all yeah. going to flow." with zero problem trust the process and, and it sure are. did
1: so there's claypus magic effect. That.
0: yeah that's it
1: <laughs> there is but like not in the russian ancestor way in the
0: i mean who knows any one way. of us could go sleep go <laughs> to sleep tonight and like dream dream for of, a year yeah. for 100 pages about being a sure. russian oligarch i'm gonna update you both in the totally. morning <laughs> are you going to make TikToks then about why Derek Craven is a Marxist treatise? Because I think
1: we've run I out would of time to here. To know oh, about that? 100%. I, okay. Yeah, I. Or are you going to preview yeah, that? absolutely. Here? Okay, I'm. I'm happy to preview it here. I mean, my it's it's very simple. I think it's just that thing of like he keeps talking about like how the accrual of wealth, like he is he is like capitalist exploitation embodied at the beginning and he's sort of this like libertarian fantasy of someone who like pulled himself up yes, by his bootstraps right. bootstra- born in a drain born by. in a drain and <laughs> you know hawked his wares including his body question yeah. mark uh at the potential prostitution um until he like achieved status and respect and it just was hollow and empty and not what he wanted and also he like alienates himself from like the work and the people that he like yeah. He it, the, the thing that he seeks all his life is the thing that corrupts him more than like the circumstances of his birth or anything like that. And this sort of like myth of capitalist upward mobility is the thing that he really buys into at the beginning yes. of the book, right? And right. like it's it's the thing that he thinks will sustain him. And then he's like, I have ennui. Yeah. I have rich man <laughs> disease of ennui, which is I, the funniest. It's it. like one I of the love funniest it. lines. The first, the first third of that book is so funny. Like, it just, so it really is so funny because he takes himself so seriously. Well,
0: the gaudy, oh. like, everything, and he's just, he's designed everything in <laughs> gold and, like, scrolls, and it's awful. It just sounds awful.
1: And how some, just, toast, like, right. to make
0: you feel like, ugh. Right. And but the much. way that, like, everyone loves Sarah and Worthy and all, everyone's always like, you know, <laughs> it's great. Like, listen, what a book. You know, mm-hmm. to me, exactly. I will say this, right? Derek Craven Day, you don't have to love Derek Craven to love Derek Craven Day. You just have to love romance. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right? It's simple, everybody. Mm-hmm. It's not complicated. To celebrate Derek Craven Day, go talk to somebody about romance novels. Yeah.
1: A hundred percent.
0: It doesn't even have to be Elisa Kleypas. Mm-hmm.
1: That's Encouraged,
0: it. but not required. Or Exactly. In the Sange method, go to Spotify and just enter in your favorite romance (laughs)
1: novel and listen to whatever podcast appears. Probably (laughs) ours. I'm so, truly (laughs) so glad that I found it. Oh, I also, I started reading Immortals After Dark after listening to that episode. I was like, oh, this. Did you enjoy it? I enjoyed it. Yeah, of course. I (laughs) read it all. I I mean, (laughs) I have like strong personal feelings about Lothair and I can't do anything about it. I also read um, the Mafia series. Positive or negative feelings about Lothair? positive, positive. <laughs> I don't know positive. you said
0: strong personal and I was like
1: <laughs> oh yeah sorry I is have he strong is not at all but positive Lothair is oh, your fave gosh. it's hard I I think it is you know. hard
0: okay. <laughs> right you're like yeah
1: it's tough it's really tough that book is so speaking of a bananas but I just oh, like yeah. I can't get over the like ripping your heart out with your bare hands (sighs) and sticking it in the box. And then when she sends her finger back. (laughs) Terrific. That's masterful.
0: Also, I imagine you, like me, really love that scene with Lothair and Nix where they talk about just being old. yes. (laughs) It's the greatest scene in the whole series. Yes, I think about it all the time. I think, oh, me too. I think about that scene all the time. Just, like, how tired about, they are. like,
1: memory and immortality and, like, how much, like, like, mortality is the thing that, like, makes you cherish things. Like, oh. And no oh one understands gosh, so except about for it. this other person.
0: <sighs>
1: and she's growing.
0: She's losing her mind and he's yeah. losing his soul. And it's just. <gasps>
1: it's it's I think about it like every day of my life it's truly haunting and the thing is like this is one of those like okay my like sort of enduring theory about romance novels you guys were starting another hour I promise Two, oh, my gosh. Hour... Oh, my gosh. I, can't, I have to stop. I have to okay, well, No. My, my thing is me. just that,
0: like... Enduring theory about romance novels, I, that, I would like, like to Is
1: that, like, love of another person begets love for a broader world, right? Like, yeah. that's that's the thing that I find yeah. really, like, charming and interesting. And, like, I think the Clevis novels are a great illustration of this. Love of this person is the thing that connects them to, like, being with people and in community again. Hence the, like, Marxism of it all. But, like, that's, that's the moment where you, like, see... You all the adjacent intimacies like that aren't the central couple or or thruple or whatever it is are some of the places where you see that in action. Where like Lothair's like love of his, well, why am I forgetting her name? Ellie, Ellie, um, Ellie is her name. Yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. Her, his like love of Ellie, it's not the first time he's ever experienced that, but like this adjacent intimacy he has with Nix is like. It's the seeds of something where, like, they become more open with each other, too, yeah. because he is more open with Ellie. So, like, he's just, like, better. He's just better he's in all He's better, directions. right? Being in
0: love makes you better. Well, and that's it. If yeah. being in love doesn't make you better, then you're in the wrong romance novel, right? Then you're in something else. Yeah. I don't know what that is. Literary fiction, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Go right? away. We don't care. Yeah. But well, that's it. I feel like, you know, like, that's the thing you have to believe. Like, being in this relationship and being with this person – you know, these friends I have, they're making me better. And I think that's like why romance is so great. Like it's about really believing that like really trusting yourself to love. It's going to make you better, the best version of yourself you can be. That's you know? Derek Craven and those spectacles. Oh, God oh, damn. Stop. We didn't even talk about the spectacles. Mm-hmm. So good.
1: <sighs> I know.
0: One year, what we have to do for Derek Craven Day is talismans. Yeah. Every book and it's talisman. Oh.
1: That's the thing. I think you guys guys had made that point in that very first Mm -hmm. Derek Craven. And I have I it was like one of those things where I couldn't unsee it. Like every Claybus I read after I was like, what's the talisman? Yeah. Yeah. It was really good. She's
0: so good. Um Sanj, tell everyone where they can find more
1: of your brilliance. (laughs) Thank you. That's so generous and kind. Um, but (laughs) at Baskin Sons on TikTok and on Twitter, sparingly these days, because that app is really rough. Um, Instagram, which I'm bad at, but enjoy. And Threads, I guess, which is worse um, than Twitter. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So best concerns everywhere. But mostly mostly TikTok. Mostly TikTok. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
0: Um, well, this was really fun. Will you come another time and talk about someone else? Oh my gosh.
1: Happily. Easily. We'll have a
0: Lothair anniversary episode, (laughs) I guess.
1: (laughs) Yeah. We'll Well, plan for four hours of recording time. Don't worry. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I we're going to have a lot to discuss.
0: Yeah, amazing. <laughs> um, so we, everyone, uh, you you can go to show notes at ThetaMates and see Sanj's terrific chart, which we will have the most updated version of for you. Mm-hmm. Um, we are Faded Mates. I'm Sarah McLean. I'm here with my friend, Jen Prokop. We are, uh, you can find us again at FatedMates.net or on Twitter at FatedMates or on Instagram at Mates Pod. And if you really enjoy just like this kind of deep dive conversation, you can join us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash where you get access to our Discord, where there are 800 or so people talking just about this all the time to talk about to do this in fact today they are definitely there zachary <laughs> bronson team zachary bronson always gets loud in the comments on Derek craven day and that's where they, they are there right now um happy Derek craven day go talk about romance novels with people uh because they're great thanks for joining us and thanks for having me